0: Welcome to Key 3 Educators, helping you excel as a Christian school leader, educator, or homeschooler as you outfit students to learn themselves, love God, and live connected. Here's your host, Stephanie Smith. Welcome back to Key 3 Educators. I'm delighted that you are with me today. We are continuing our look at how do we develop vibrant schools, and then how do we maintain those schools? It is too much work to settle for mediocrity. And besides, nobody gets together and says, hey, I'm going to get involved in education because my whole aim is to have students strive for mediocrity. Nobody does that. We want excellence. And what does that mean? Well, I think that means we want vibrancy. We want alive students and staff. We want to have an environment that's full of energy. You know, health isn't just the absence of disease, and a healthy school isn't just the absence of chaos and low test scores. So we want to talk about how can you be successful. And the way that we're doing that right now in this series is using a business book by Les McEwan. It's Predictable Success, and the subtitle is Getting Your Organization on the Growth Track and Keeping It There. Now, for our purposes, I'm modifying that just a little bit to say getting your school on the vibrancy track and keeping it there. What does Whitewater have to do with vibrancy in schools? We're going to pick up and talk about that in today's episode. But before we do, take a minute, hit the subscribe button, and then take just a few seconds and leave a rating and review. And then hit that share button, send it to a colleague or an administrator in your school or maybe across the country, a friend of yours or family member who's involved in Christian education. All right, let's get back to our series on vibrancy in schools, specifically using the book Predictable Success. In our last couple of episodes, we've talked about the first of the seven stages that an organization will normally go through. Now, again, Less is writing to businesses. He has incredible experience internationally with starting and helping to start countless numbers of businesses. So he is an expert in organizational dynamics. What makes the differences between those businesses that fail and those that succeed? Schools have a particular disadvantage to get stuck in one of the seven phases that Les outlines in his book. And we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to that phase. The last couple of episodes, we talked about phase one, early struggle. That's where it's just hard. You've got to come up with location and cash and and just all those different types of things that just have to be done in order to give you the hope of having an actual organization. Number two, then. You move into fun. If you make it out of early struggle, you're going to be going, This is awesome. This is great. Look what we've done. This is amazing. You might be exhausted, but you're still going to be exhilarated. So, your objectives in early struggle are you've got to define your vision. And this isn't some nicely crafted sentence that just ends up on a plaque somewhere. This is something that's got bones to it, as well as muscles and skin and organs, something that's alive that you can measure your decisions by for years to come. Number two, you've got to define your market. And that's not just, well, we just want students. Of course, that's it. But you've got to really define your particular market. We talk about that in the first part of this series. And number three, you want to build a structure so that those key components don't require having to come back later and redo. It's just like building a house. You don't want to have to come back five years later and lift your house up and put in a whole new foundation because it didn't get built right the first time. So you make it out of early struggle and you enter into the second phase, which is fun. And what are your objectives there? Well, number one it's to celebrate because what gets celebrated gets repeated. And you want to create a culture of celebration from the very beginning. If you're listening and you're like, okay, we're not a new school. We've been around for a long time. It's a good opportunity to say, you know what, have we lost that culture of celebration here in our school? Do I have a culture of celebration in my classroom? What gets celebrated gets repeated. It draws people's attention. It gives energy and motivation, and it aligns with how we have been designed by God. You know, God could have said to us, look, these are the rules, keep them or else. And he had every right to do that, but he didn't. He's a God of celebration. He delights in us. We are wired to celebrate. And if you don't have that in your organization, you have got to bring it in, whether you're just starting out or you've been around for 50 years. The second objective and the fun phase is focus. This is where it's real easy to get distracted by shiny object syndrome and to start adding in all these other things that may be great in themselves, but it's not the right time for it. And number three, it's to prepare. Because the next phase after fun is whitewater. And we started to look at that in the last episode, and we're going to pick up with that one today. Whitewater is the phase where you've grown to a point that issues have now become more complex because growth always brings complexity. At this point, I want to be clear that even though I am referencing Les Kewen's book, Predictable Success, and again, I highly recommend it for your entire organization, your staff, your administration, your board members. Because it's written to businesses, there are components to running a school that do vary. But once you've made it out of early struggle and you're in that fun phase, if you are having enough growth, you will hit whitewater. And you need to recognize it's not like one day you're in fun and the next day you're in whitewater it's more of a gradual process that occurs. Now, if you have incredibly rapid growth, then you may go from a class 1 to a class 3 to a class 5 pretty quick. But don't expect that you're somehow going to magically recognize, "Hey, we're in the whitewater phase." It's going to probably feel like, "Oh, wait a minute. That that was a little bumpier ride than than what we thought," or, "Oh, that must just be that little part of the river where we hit that rock or whatever. But hey, we're going to get back to where we were. So recognize when those bumps or that current seems to start picking up and there's more complexity. That's what characterizes whitewater, complexity. So we've talked about the three objectives that you want to have when you're in early struggle and the three objectives that you want to have when you're in fun. So what are the three objectives for you when your organization is in the whitewater phase? Number one, you have to make the decision, do you want to move forward with growth or do you want to go back to fun? And here again, there's not a right or wrong answer. We don't measure all businesses as being successful simply because they grow to a certain size. There are incredibly successful businesses that are owned by one person or that have a small team of a dozen people. And there are some phenomenally large companies that really aren't operating successfully. They may last for a long time because their previous success created enough momentum or cash to keep them going, but they're not operating successfully right now because of their practices in the moment. And that can happen with schools as well. There's a certain momentum that growth will create that can sustain a school for a long period of time. And this is where the conveyor track model of education actually is a disadvantage to schools. We'll talk about that when we get to talking about the phase of treadmill that Les writes about. But it's absolutely acceptable to say, you know what, we don't want to get big. We don't want to grow from 20 students to 200. There's nothing wrong with that. If your aim and objective is to say, we want to stay small, we want to continue to remain in this fun phase where we don't have the complexity that growth is going to bring, absolutely, go stay in fun. Nothing wrong with that. But if you decide to grow, you will engage with more complexity because more people is always going to bring more problems and more issues. And it's not just because they're bad people or anything like that. It's just because of the nature of human dynamics. So the first objective when you're in whitewater is to decide, do we want to move forward and embrace the complexities that growth is going to bring? Or do we want to remain or go back to where we were? And let's just stay in fun. The second objective is to define your leadership roles and responsibilities. And this is where in this whitewater phase, where oftentimes leadership decisions get made that don't serve well over the long run. A person is chosen because they're outgoing or charismatic or forceful or they're take charge or they have connections in the community. Those aren't the criteria for effective leadership. Take your time. In addition to praying about it, trust that God can use other people to speak to you through wise counsel. You may bring in advisors, coaches, Make sure that whoever is selected or emerges as a leader in any capacity is clearly aligned with the vision of the school and of its founders, has the capacity as well as the willingness to serve in that role. Now, because I speak specifically to Christian educators, one of the mistakes that can occur in Christian organizations, whether it's churches or schools, is we don't want to hurt someone else's feelings. And it can seem unchristlike to say you're not qualified. Either you don't have the people skills or you don't have the knowledge. You don't have the character maturity, whatever it is. Sometimes we don't speak up and just speak to those things directly. And as a result of it, people end up in leadership roles that really don't belong there. And just like it's so much more costly to go back to a house that was never built on a proper foundation and try to correct that foundation, the leadership that emerges out of this phase of whitewater will have an incredible impact on your organization. And so you want to make sure that you select people for leadership who don't just want to be there, but who are qualified to be there as well. The third objective in Whitewater is to establish effective and scalable communication practices. In the early struggle phase, and even in the fun phase, you probably had a smaller group of people, and so you could just call somebody up on the phone randomly. If you had a physical location, you might be able to just pop into somebody's office to discuss things. You might just have been able to say, hey, guys, let's, let's all get together and meet for coffee because we need to talk about this one issue, and that could work. But with growth comes complexity, and you're not going to be able to continue that type of communication style as you grow. So pay attention to the structures of communication and make sure these are going to work not just for us now, but these are going to work down the road. Now, again, running any kind of business or organization is always going to require flexibility and adaptation. That's a given. So you don't want to come about this from a a fear base. You don't want to become paranoid about this. Oh, my gosh. If we don't get our communication structure set right now, then it's never going to be able to change. And it's just going to crash our organization two years from now. That's not what I'm talking about. But you want to make decisions by intention. You don't want to respond by default. And it's easy in this whitewater phase to respond by default because you're in whitewater and you're just reacting. And so you have to be diligent to say, we're going to be proactive here. We're not just going to be reactive. Now, to some degree, you're not going to be able to avoid entirely being reactive because things are just going to pop up out of nowhere. Oh, we never had a parent ask that before. Well, we never had a student do that before. We never thought about that before. Whatever those kinds of things are going to pop up in whitewater. So you're going to need to react to those, but you don't want to just settle for getting into a reactionary way of, of being. You also want to be intentional about thinking what's scalable, what's going to work down the long haul. Now, if you decide that you're going to move forward, you're going to embrace growth and you're not going to say, you know what, this is too much for us. We're, we're going to go back and stay in fun. And again, there's no right or wrong here. It's not like, oh, well, the people who decide to grow, they're the ones who've got stamina and, a, and vision and, and meaning. No, no, no. You may be a school that's got 20 students, and you may year after year after year just focus on 20 students, and you may have tremendous success because, again, education is not about test scores and numbers. It's about equipping the upcoming generations with life's key three aims. you got to learn yourself, love God, and live connected. And how do you do that in this world? But if you do decide that you're going to move forward out of whitewater, then if you do that well, the next phase where you end up is going to be where you want to balance and where you want to stay. And that's going to be predictable success. What marks predictable success is that you have put enough, but no more than needed, systems and processes in place so that you can achieve your goals. Les uses a phrase in the book that I really like, and it is an exquisite tension. Now, the reality is all of life is lived in a state of tension if you are living well. In the phase of predictable success, this is different than the fun phase. You will have more complexity. You will have more challenges. But the way you're going to meet your goals and objectives is because you are going to have processes and systems in place that allow those challenges to be identified and addressed so you can move forward with your goals. Now, predictable success, like any one of these other phases, it's not a place you get to and then poof, you're there. Now you can just go sit on the, the beach and dip your toes in the sand. It's still always going to take work to remain in predictable success, just like it takes work to get out of early struggle. And then even if you're in fun, it takes work to stay in fun because the pull in fun is either going to be to suck you back down into situations where you're back in early struggle or you're going to get pulled into whitewater. Every phase has its own particular struggle. But predictable success phase is where you find that exquisite tension that you're able to stay balanced on. So you have innovation and constantly looking at new ways to be more effective. And you have the stability so you're not just jumping from one fad to the other. I don't know if there's any area at least in the States, that is more prone to fads than education. We think of fads coming in terms of hairstyle and clothing, and that's true. But education has its own systems of fads. Oh, this is the way kids need to learn to read. And then 5 or 10 or 15 years later, oops, guess that didn't work out so well. Okay, now here's this system. And it just goes on and on and on in every single subject area. We need to have open classrooms. We need to have everything focused on teamwork. Oh, students actually turns out kind of need their own spaces. They can get lost in open classrooms. Oh, what do you do when you have teams and only one kid is pulling the weight of the other three? So predictable success is this phase where you're balancing that tension, where you are wanting to have innovation and adaptation. But you're not wanting to get distracted and pulled back into shiny object syndrome. That's less of the challenge for schools than actually getting pulled into the next phase, which is treadmill. Well, thank you so much for being with me. And if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Hey, leave a rating and review. It not only is helpful to me, but it helps other people find this podcast and say, hey, this has got some information worth listening to. And then stop on by the website, Key3Educators, sign up for the Three Keys newsletter because there's only one insight, idea, technique, or resource that can make all the difference between good, better, and best. And remember this, my friend, you have an impact that is immeasurable, eternal, and irreplaceable. See you next time. Thank you for being with us today. For information on speaking engagements and resources for your school or family, visit the website Key3Educators.com. Remember, learn yourself, love God, and live connected.